Today I'm going to be speaking on unity and diversity of the body. Unity and diversity of the body. This is a topic that, you know, we don't usually uh, want to talk about. We don't usually want to talk about, but it's good to talk about it. Unity and diversity of the body. Um, you know, while driving with my husband, I think about two weeks ago, you know, he, he asked me a question. He said, why is it that, you know, as a pastor, you think about these things, you know, why is it that people come to a church and then people leave? Hmm, and I wondered, and I thought, okay, why do people come to a church or go to another or leave to another and all that? And, and I began, and I kept quiet for a while. And then as I kept quiet, I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do I say? You know, let me think about this. Holy Spirit, why, why do we go from one place to another or to another or to another? And I thought, hmm. And, you know, while I was thinking about it, I had this understanding, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit, that we all have a role to play. You all have a role to play. And that was what I had. You have a role to play. And I asked someone, okay, we have a role to play. He said, you have a role to play. Others have a role to play. And I'm expecting everybody to play their role. And so that was what I told my husband. I said, wow. I said, well, what I just had right now was that, and as I'm fully sure you have a role to play, and every other person have their roles to play. That is what God expects. So I started thinking about it for the purpose of this message. I decided that, okay, what is even the role of a pastor? You know, I thought about it some more. Okay, God, you said I have a role to play. What am I supposed to do? And so I will just quickly run through that very quickly. And the first scripture I want to share is, I looked at, you know, who a pastor or a leader can be. And I looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 16. And I'll run through it very quickly. First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. Please open it with me. If you're there, First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. It says, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. He must be temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. He must be gentle. He mustn't be quarrelsome and not covetous, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And then verse 8 says, likewise deacons, that is those who are in leadership, must be reverent. They must not be double-tongued. Wow. Not given to much wine. Not greedy for money. Holding the, ministry, the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let this also first be tested 
Wow. So God loves to test those who are going into such roles. You know, they have to be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers. They must be temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Those are some great, great, great qualities that one has to have. And, you know, I looked at it and I applied it to us. I applied it to us and I thought, huh, is there any way we're lacking? Is there any way we're lacking? And um, I wouldn't say what I heard, you know, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me and gave me a thumbs up. So when the Holy Spirit gives you a thumbs up, you know, okay, thank God he gave me a thumbs up. Hallelujah. I want us to look at one scripture as well. First Peter chapter five, verses two to three. And I started thinking after that on how to shepherd, how, how we should guide the body of Christ, how we should shepherd the flock. So I want us to look at First Peter, First Peter chapter 5 from verse 2 to 3. And I'll go there very quickly. First Peter 5. First Peter 5. 2 to 3. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. This is an amazing scripture. And it's speaking to those who are leaders or those who are going to be in leadership. It says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but do it willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but do it eagerly. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So we must lead by examples. We must lead by examples. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I started looking at it. That we have, God says we have a role to play. We have a role to play. How do we play our role? How do we play our roles? And this lists what, you know, somebody who finds themselves in the leadership position, somebody who finds themselves guiding a ministry, what they must do. And also it speaks to those who are just members of the church that uh, we should submit ourselves to our elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Humility is very, very important. We must walk in humility for God resists the proud but gives gives grace to the humble. Anyone who is proud, God resists. That's what the Bible says. But he gives grace to those who are, are humble. Amen. All right. And then I also looked at one more scripture, um, which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Please let, turn with me there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. And what does it say? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So those who are in, those who are playing their role as leaders or as maybe supervisors or coordinators, the Bible says, 
Preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. God expects us to preach the word. We should be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And I paused at this and, and I realized that, you know, when I looked at the other scriptures we have read, this is the one that now goes further to say, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince people about the word, rebuke people about the word, exhort people on the word with all long suffering and teaching. And I realized that, you know what, we thank God that we're able to convince others. We thank God, you know, that area of rebuking is a tough one is a very, very tough one because I see a lot of people don't even want you to tell. You see, I, I, I look at it and I realize that it's as if you want to say, but can you please look at this in a different way? And then when you start telling people to look at things or look at themselves and or to consider a different pattern, which is in line with the word of God, that is where we hit, we hit a brick wall. And that's a tough one. That is where we hit a brick wall. That word, rebuke with the word. That word, rebuke with the word. Brethren, I want to encourage us. Anybody God loves is the one he rebukes. If we have a child, if you have a child, and you don't rebuke that child, that child will just be heading in a path to, distract, to, 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 to disaster. Because we didn't quickly call that child and say, no, don't do this. Do we have a child that loves, we know children love candy, they love sweets, they love, um, you know, they love sweet cookies. Do we allow our children eat cookies, cookies, cookies every day? Is there a parent in the house that does that? I will, if, if there's a parent, I will say, please, can you meet me after the service so that we can have a chat together? So that I, I will just, I will try to encourage you that, please don't do that anymore because we're destroying the, the, life, the life of the child. So also, we as adults, we, there's some things that we love to do. You know, we're just, it's just become a habit or it's become a pattern, you know? And that maybe that habit or that pattern is not really according to God's word. And maybe God opens the eyes of somebody else. You know, it could be somebody in the leadership. It could be somebody, it could be the pastor to see that, you know what? I, I need to, you need to speak to this person about this matter. You know, and the person approaches you, how do we take it? Because I see that in the body of Christ, that is where we hit a brick wall. And then when we come and begin to discuss that matter, you know, that person can either take it in a good light or in a negative light. And I realize that if it's in a good light, oh, to God be the glory. If it's in a negative light, the person departs. That's what I've always seen. And that's what led to that movement. That's what leads to that movement. Because many times it could be as a result of this scripture where it says, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And that is where we hit a brick wall. My prayer today is that those of us that are here, because God is expecting us to play a role by the grace of God, when you have an experience of where somebody wants to share something that is not so good or not so palatable or not so, uh, you know, exciting to hear, please take it that it's from God. Take it, it's from God because God wants you to become a 
better person. God wants you to be well equipped in him. God wants you to be on a good path, you know, to him. God wants you so that he can, he can transform you from who you are currently to a better person because it is going to happen. God wants us to convince, God, God wants us to exhort you into being the right person, the excellent man that he created you to be, you know, in, and that is what will happen in Jesus' name. Do I hear an amen? So people also have a part to play. People have a part to play. That's what the Holy Spirit said. And I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 12 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verses 12 to 27. Please open it with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verses 12 to 27. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, we're all part of the body of Christ. All of us seated here. And this scripture is saying, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many, more than one, are one body, so also is, is Christ. We are all different with different graces, different abilities, different strength, different interests. We are all different, but we are all one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether I will now add this, we are Filipinos or Nigerians or with Ukrainian background or Irish background or British background, wherever we all came from, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand. Now, as different human beings, we represent, look at the parts of a body. You have the arm, you have the fingers, you have the eye, you even have the eyebrow, you even have the eyelids, some parts that you don't even think about. You have the ears. We have five senses. The sense of smell, the sense of taste, the sense of touch, the sense of seeing. You know, we have five in all. So the Bible is saying, so we have, we're all different, but we're all one. That's what the scripture is saying. We're all different, but we're all one. So in fact, verse 14 says, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So verse 15, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, the foot says, I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If somebody removes this arm and say, okay, I don't want you, am I going to be fully useful to myself? No, because I'm losing one arm. I'm not only losing that arm, I'm losing my fingers that can complement these other fingers so that I can do, this, do things perfectly well. There is a reason why God gave us a second arm. If God knew we didn't need a second arm, he would have made us one-arm human beings. He would have made us one-legged hum one human being. I will go hopping around on one leg. But God knows so that there can be balance 
in the body. So that one side of the body fully balances the other and there is no shaking. That is why he brought those parts of the body together. So also all of us that are here, you are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. You are here by a calling of God. It is not by chance. It is not by mistake. It is not by coincidence. Some of us just think, oh, a friend invited me, so, you know, um, I'll just go. And then you came and realized that I want to be a part of this. I want to hear what is being said here. It is God that put that thought in your heart that stay put here. It's God. There's nothing he does that is by mistake. There's nothing he does that is by coincidence. It is all thought out clearly. There's, there's a, God is following a program. God is following a plan. And his plan is on time. So for you to be here, his plan is on time for you. There is a reason. So we can't say, according to this scripture, I don't need this arm. I don't need that person. I don't need you to talk to me. I don't want to associate with you. We are not then. That means we won't work as one body. If we say that I prefer this person than that person. No, God doesn't want us to say that. Yes, that person might have issues, but God wants us to find a way of working with the person who you think has issues. God wants us to find a way of loving that person who you think has an issue so that he can become a better person, so that he can balance us out in the work God has called us to do. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, oh my goodness, imagine that. If this whole body were an eye, where will be the hearing? The eye will just be going, he can't smell anything. If there's fire around, he won't even smell it because I'm an eye, all I can see is, I can only see, I can't smell, I can't hear anything, I can't touch anything. That body is useless if it's only an eye. So where will be the hearing? If the whole we're hearing as well. That's what the Bible is saying. If the whole body were only here, oh, we are all hearing, we all prophesy, everybody receives, we're all hearing, and we keep giving each other messages, there'll be confusion. Because one day you might hear something and give it to somebody and the person will say, ah, that is not from God. That is where a problem will be. So if the whole were hearing, where will be the smelling? Verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. I want you to know the word as he pleased. Please know that. He set you here in the body as he pleased. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where will the body be? But now indeed there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Hallelujah. I love that. 
The Bible is so powerful. Those who think they are weak, please, brethren, if you think, oh, I'm a, I don't know the scriptures, I, do, I can't even memorize the scriptures, you are the kind of candidate God is looking for. Look, in the times when Jesus was on earth, there were scholars, those who knew the scriptures, those who knew it, people like Paul, they had gone to, to the seminaries. They had known the scriptures from, from, from scroll to scroll. Those were not the ones that Jesus chose. Jesus chose fishermen that didn't go to seminary. Those that they loved the Lord with their heart. They knew God and they loved him with their heart. Those are the kind of people Jesus, a tax collector who was a sinner, who will take, say, give me 10% to the government, but I'm going to add extra five, comes into my pocket. That was the kind of person. So the weaker vessels, you think God is looking for strong vessels? God is not looking for strong vessels. He goes for the weak vessels and then pours himself in to make them strong because he wants them to be stronger. So he loves the weaker ones. And then th those who are weak, don't consider yourself weak because God wants to make you strong. Verse 23. And those members of the body which we, we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. We can see what that scripture says. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body having given, given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Remember, I'm talking about the unity in the body, though we are so diverse, but there should be unity in the body. Verse 26, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is dis if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Brethren, that is what the role God wants us to play. The role God wants us to play for one another. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. That is the summary of the scripture. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. My prayer is that as we continue as a church, as we continue as the body of Christ, as we continue, we will allow God unify us more and more and more, and then we'll become one body that everything we do, you know, will impact somebody else, starting from within. It will impact each other, starting, will impact each other, starting from within before we even go outside. So, so we have a part to play. How a member, and how a member can play his part very well. There's one scripture I'm going to read in summary on how a member can play his part very, very well. We've seen that we shouldn't be diverse, we should be one. We've seen that don't look at yourself as a weaker vessel. Don't look at yourself that, oh, you have nothing to give. Who says you have a lot to give? You have a lot to give. Your words of encouragement alone will elevate somebody, it will encourage somebody else. 
as you come, as you meet somebody, you, you encourage other people. You say, you know what? Even telling somebody you look good this morning, you don't even know what that, person, that, what that word, what that statement has done in the life of that person. So don't say you have nothing to give in the church of God. Don't say you have nothing to give. Don't say you have no role to play. You have a role to play. Start with your words and you have a role to play. I want us to look at John chapter 15 verses 1 to 8. John 15 verses 1 to play. How we can play our role very well. John 15, 1 to 8. Starting from 1. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So we see here that it is very important that we must be fruitful. We must bear fruit. We can't stay just as or, or the way we are. Because this scripture says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away. So as God has brought us from different parts, different places into this body, please let us note it is important to bear fruit. Bearing fruit starts from yourself. You can look at yourself. Am I growing? Ask yourself, am I growing? Am I growing in the word of God? Have I grown or am I the same? God doesn't want us to stay the same. The same if you've been here and you see that you're not growing, then there's, we need to talk. We need to chat about it because we must grow and bear fruit because this is the almighty God through Lord Jesus Christ saying this, that everyone that does not bear fruit, he takes away. It is not any man taking any man away. It is God that will take that person away. And every branch that bears fruit, he does what? He prunes. He prunes. You, those of us that have had a garden, you know what pruning is. You have a tree that is growing so fast. And as it's growing, you see that there are some branches. A friend of mine taught me this year that in the tomato tree, the tomato plant, um, at the very corner, when you see another branch growing out, take it out so that it doesn't sap out of all the, um, the whatever that is going to the rest of the plant. I remember she taught me, but I can't remember the exact words. And I did that. And I realized that as I was pruning, the branch, the main branch, has opportunity to grow more. And then I'll look at another one and I'll prune it and it has opportunity to grow more. And that's what Christ does to us. He said, every branch that bears fruit, he will prune. So pruning is correction from his word. Pruning is guidance from his word. Pruning is redirection. We're going this path and you say, no. Don't go that path. Stay on this path from his word. Pruning is you sharing with somebody else and the person says, oh, can I tell you my opinion? This is what I think. Pruning when God is guiding you. That is pruning. And Jesus Christ said he will prune us so that we might bear more fruit. We might bear more fruit. You are already clean. Not verse 3. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You see, many a times, many of us still think, we, look, I want to encourage somebody in the house today. Jesus Christ said, you are already clean. Don't ever think in your mind you are unclean. 
That's what he's saying. Don't think anymore in your mind, you are unclean. He spoke these words to the tax collector. Matthew, the tax collector, he said, you are already clean. That means that all the bribes you have collected, I have forgiven you because you have restored. You've gone through the process of restoration. I want to encourage somebody here in this house. When you think of, when the devil throws thoughts into your mind and says that you know what, you did this, you are still like this, you are no good, nothing good can come out from you, tell that filthy spirit to shut up. You tell the filthy spirit lying spirit to shut up and get away from you because Christ says here you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you you are clean your mind is clean your lips are clean your senses are clean your body is clean the devil can't tell you anymore you're unclean those past can't come back to you and tell you you're unclean. If they come say, I will quote John 15 verse 3. Christ says I'm already clean and brag about it. Brag about it in your room. When those thoughts come into your mind, you say, Christ has already told me I am clean. And if Christ says I am clean, I am clean. I am not dirty, I'm not filthy, I am clean. And from this day on, and brethren, let me tell you something, you can make yourself clean on a daily basis. Because our walk with God is on a daily basis. You can start your day with God and say, this day God, Jesus Christ said it, I am clean. My day is a clean day. I am not going to do anything that will mess me up. And that is what will happen. Because Christ said, you are clean. Because it is those who are clean that the devil, will, you see when the devil, when you are trying to move forward and the devil is making you go back, it's difficult to do the work of God and be fruitful. It is difficult. Because he comes after our mind. Don't let the devil come after your mind. Yes, that's his, that's his playbook. Okay? He puts fear in your mind and he wants to put death. The Bible says he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That is his playbook. He comes to kill, he comes to steal, he comes to destroy. But let me tell you something. If Jesus Christ said you've been clean, who is the devil to say that you are unclean? If Christ says you have been clean, who is the devil to steal from you? If Christ says you have been clean, who is the devil to kill you? If Christ says you have been clean, who is the devil to destroy you there is no devil that can destroy you because Christ says you have been made clean from the words I have spoken to you this is the word of God we are reading brethren this is the word of God we are reading and he has made you clean verse 4 says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of its own now God is the vine dresser Jesus Christ is the vine. We are the branches. God is the vine dresser. Jesus Christ is the vine, the main vine. And we are the branches. And he said, abide in me as I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. You without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and he's withered. 
Can you see where the movement comes from? Because when we come here, brethren, God expects us to play a role. God doesn't expect us to only sit down. I know when you come, I give you six months, sit down. But after six months, I'm the one putting a time frame on it. Don't mind my time frame, I'm just <laughs> putting a time frame. After six months, get up from that place. Because in six months, you feed a baby for... Brethren, when you feed a baby for, with, for six months, does the baby remain the size of when he or she was born? No. The baby has grown. The baby has some flesh. The baby has some lovely cheeks. Rotundus cheeks on his face or her face. When the baby goes to the bathroom, you see some heavy release from there. <laughs> so the baby is not the same. So also when you come here, you've been here for at least six weeks, you cannot remain the same. You must have grown some spiritual chicks. You must have grown some spiritual flesh. You must have grown in the word of God, in knowing the word of God. You must have grown in your faith in God. Because this is somewhere where your faith will not remain the same. We will, we will join you hand in hand to make that faith grow. So that you can be fruitful. And so that you can remain in the vine. And because what we avoid, what we avoid, we don't want anyone to just sit down and do nothing and not be fruitful. When I say fruitful, fruitful even means taking a step. I've shared, I've, I've told you, even saying something to someone, saying something positive, saying, okay, what can I do? Where, you know, what, how can I be involved? I want to encourage you. The small groups are starting, be involved in the small groups. I want to encourage you at the end of the service, chat with someone, just start a conversation, just, just start a conversation, say, hi, um, my name is um, Folusha. Uh, can I know your name, please? This, and that is where it, it starts because you don't know for God to have led you to that person to say hi. Perhaps God wants to use that person to bless you and you to bless that person. Because it is not by chance. It is not by coincidence. You must get up and do something so that you are fruitful. That verse says, so that we are not cast out as a branch and we're not withered. We are not cast out as a branch and withered. Anybody that is not fruitful after a while begins to wither. Anybody that is not fruitful after a while begins to wither. It is an individual role to play. Play your role well. Play your role well. Let God look down from heaven and look at you and saying, you are doing a fantastic job. Let God look at you and give you a pass mark and say the role I've given you to play or whatever you are doing, you are doing it well. Always think, God, how do you see me? Not how men see you, but how does God see you? And so that when he sees you, God can give you a pass mark. I want to round up my message on that. So are you playing your role, are you playing any role at well, at, at all? Are you playing any role at all? And even if you're playing a role, are you playing it well? And then if you're playing your role well, are you fruitful? Those are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Again, I want to encourage us, get involved in something. Today we're talking about the unity and the diversity of the body. 
we're supposed to be united together in God's spirit, in the Holy Spirit, doing what God wants us to do so that you can be fruitful for yourself and for those around you. Let's get involved. The small groups are there. Get involved in a small group. Make yourself available and desire to grow. The Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. His unity will be upon us. And though we're diverse, but we'll be one body in Christ in Jesus' name. Please let's bow our heads. I want you to please talk to God just in one minute and tell him, Lord, help me. Give me the grace. We all need grace. We've talked about how the devil comes at our minds, trying to tell us, don't do this. Don't get involved. Don't talk to that person. Don't listen to that voice. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God will encourage you and say, go talk to that person. Encourage this one. Share your story with this person. That's the voice of God because God wants to encourage you to encourage others and to encourage yourself. I want you to pray to God and say, God, give me grace to be fruitful. Give me grace to play my role. Help me, Lord. In the areas where I'm lacking, fill me up in those areas. Why don't you talk to God about that? Ask God to help you to play your role so that when he looks at you from heaven, he can give you a pass mark. He can give me a pass mark. Lord, help me. Give us the grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.